welcome back to the Vet Space Ireland podcast with your hosts, myself, Michelle McGuire. And I'm Hazel Mullins. As May is Veterinary Nurse Awareness Month, we want to make sure we're doing our bit to be promoting the profession, which is going from strength to strength every year. So on this week's podcast, we have Deirdre Hayes, who is an equine veterinary nurse who works with foals in a very large referral practice in Ireland. Welcome Deirdre to the Vet Space Ireland podcast. We are delighted to have you on, especially the month that's in it is uh, Vet Nurse Awareness Month, um, May. So welcome and how are you? Good, great. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Very excited to, to have a chat with you today. Great, yeah, to do it in the month that is Vet Nursing Awareness Month. So you're a great ambassador because you're you're an equine vet nurse, aren't you Dee? Yes, I am. And I've only ever been an equine vet nurse. I never really did any small animal. Um, I, yeah, I've pretty much kind of had a career with horses previous to nursing. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I've worked as an equine nurse for the last maybe eight years. Why don't you sins. go back to the start <laughs> then, Dee, and tell us your veterinary journey. So you mentioned there that you maybe had an, a career in an equine career before nursing so start from the beginning and tell us yeah. why you got into veterinary nursing how you got in there and, and all the bits and bobs yeah so I got into veterinary nursing a little bit later in life maybe so when I was in my kind of 20s uh, 27 actually I kind of started first got into nursing I'd worked in racing and I'd worked in um, a show jumping warm blood stud farm and it was kind of through those jobs that I kind of realized I really preferred, you know, I enjoyed working with the vets in those jobs. I enjoyed the foals and the breeding and all that kind of thing. So while I was living in the UK in 2014, the opportunity came up to um, train as a veterinary nurse and I was able to do it through distance learning. So I didn't have to go to college full time. I was able to be employed by the practice and go to college one day a week and gain my qualification that way. So it was great for me because I haven't been used to earning money. Um, I didn't have to go back and study. And I also, the practice paid for my course. So I also didn't end up with any student loans. So um, it it was great. I worked in a practice in Newbury called Donington Grove Vets. That's where it all started. And, uh, then I was there for six years. I graduated in 2017, um, just as I turned 30. And I stayed there until 2020 before moving back to Ireland, just before everything fell apart and COVID hit the world. And um, so it was a good time to come home and be close to my family. So I came home then and uh, started at Troytown in Kildare on the Curra, And I was there for about 18 months. And then I was offered a position at Feathered as the medicine nurse. And that's where I am now, just finishing off my first foaling season, which has been very busy, but very enjoyable. What I really like doing is the foals and the medicine. Um, that's the area that I feel uh, I enjoy the most. Um, it's challenging, but um, I do find it quite enjoyable. Oh, I'd say you're wrecked, are you, Dee? Yeah, it's, it's not kind of too busy. Bad, you know. yeah. It's, yeah, long days. I do get the rota isn't too bad. So I do get a good few weekends off, uh, which some of my colleagues don't. So I do feel a little bit jammy sometimes, but uh, the days are long. Yeah, it is long days. It's kind of hard to get out in the evenings, just constant, you know, constantly busy. 
And can you describe that typical day, say, in the middle of the, the falling season to us? Oh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. All, I started at seven. Warts and all. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. You, you could turn up to anything. So, you know, there's no day the same. I start at seven um, and usually it's kind of straight in the the guys, you know, we'd have a couple of vets would have been on the night duty. So just kind of straight jump straight in, help them kind of catch up with treatments, uh, checks, things like that. And I usually kind of spend the day restocking, making sure we have all the medications we need, fluids, all that kind of stuff that are easy to, to grab. Then I, you know, we might work through, do a rounds, work through the plan for each each patient every day. Um, and then various treatments, checks, turning folds, flushing mares, the list goes on. It never, never, never ends, but um, it's busy. Yeah, you kind of often eat your lunch on the go, um, keep going. Uh, I think the most we had in at one, I think we had 16 or 18 folds in at one stage. So it's a bit of a villain. Yeah, it takes a bit of a village to look after all of those. Um, but we've a really good team, so everyone works really well together. Um, and yeah, we, we make it through. We make it through the days. We make it through the days, but it's, it's, it's busy. Yeah, very, very busy. Were they all like sick neonates, Steve? Not kind of a mixture of maybe falls with diarrhea. Okay. Um, maybe some sick mares, uh, maybe, yeah, a couple of sick, we definitely could have two or three, you know, that you'd have to be lifting and turning. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say, two or three 18, it takes more than a village. It takes yeah. a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It was literally like we were pouring out into the overflow stables and kind of the guys were looking at us being like, how many more stables do medicine need? Because, you know, surgery is so busy at Feathered as well. They need a lot of stables. So it, uh, it, yeah, we they are building more stables, which is definitely what we need. Um, so yeah, it's a busy, busy place. But, I can see Michelle uh, nodding here away, and like I can see her just resonating with everything you're saying, Dee, because obviously she's been through it yeah. herself as well. Yeah, a long time ago yeah. now, but you never forget. <laughs> no, no, you don't, and you do come home someday. You know, there are some hard days where you know you might lose you know you lose a patient and you just you think god you know but you just go back and you do it again and every year I kind of feel at the end of the season you know god is that is that it now have I have I done as much as I can but come January again I just I really look forward to it you know um but this is the busiest hospital I've worked in so you know we'll but I'm still enjoying it and this is the end of the season so it's a good sign Mm. I suppose can you tell us more about your um, course in England? That's very interesting how you were able to stay in practice and, you know, yeah. w- work and, and then they paid for your your course as well. That's great. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I probably, you know, I feel like, you know, a career as a veterinary nurse is definitely what I was meant to do. But I feel like I probably wouldn't have gone back to study full time. So being able to do it this way, you know, was fantastic. So the practice, you were employed by the practice and usually did a kind of a 12 month pre-nursing or year, you know, where they kind of, you were fully supervised. They had a lot of qualified nurses and you would, you know, help with treatments and checks and, and you know, assistance surgery and all those kind of things under supervision. And then you would start um, 
as a first year trainee. And so the college I went to was Hartbury College in Gloucester. And I would go one day a week um, and then work, you know, the, the rest of the days. And then you'd get a few hours each week um, designated to studying. So you could, you could go away and, and study for a few hours. So it was all very, you know, organized and very well run. Um, the college was great as well. And then you did the, you know, the exams at the end of every year um, and then the OSCEs at the end of the final year. And then, yeah, you graduated as an RVN, registered with the RCVS. Um, and yeah, the qualification is recognised, obviously, here in Ireland for the VCI. Um, so it was, you know, it was pretty straightforward to move back home. But it was a really good way of learning. I find it great because I probably am better kind of practically, you know, learn easier with practical tasks. So I was able to kind of learn the practical tasks and then go to college and understand why I was doing those tasks. So kind of light bulbs would be going off mm. as you're in lectures and it would start to all kind of make sense. Um, and plus you're gaining, like the practice I worked in in England was very busy and, you know, a really high caseload. So I was able, I was getting to see, you know, gutter apoutomycosis, I was getting to see dystocias, I was getting to see all those things um, while I was training. So it really did expose me to a lot. Um, which was, you know, a fantastic way to learn. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed it that way, you know, doing it that way. How long did it take to, was it, how many years did it take altogether? Three years, uh, well, three and a half, if you count. I kind of did a half a year pre-trainee just because a spot actually came up, somebody left and I got to go to college a bit quicker. But most of the, most of the time it'd be four years, kind of one year working in the practice just to make sure that you're definitely want to do it before they pay for it, you know, and then three, three years in college. Um, so kind of for, and then, you know, you, you, they kind of request that you stay with them for a couple of years afterwards to kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, pay, not pay them back, but you know, that they, that they get, I suppose that you stay with them, that you don't just qualify and leave. Um, but I loved it there. I would have only for the one to come home, you know, I probably would have stayed. It was a great, a great place to work and a great team. Um, but yeah, that that way of 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 training, it really suited me anyway. Um, and um, I think it probably maybe made it more open to people who maybe wouldn't have done it the traditional way. Um, you know, because I think there is, well, it is hard to find equine nurses. You know, so something like that is a good way of getting getting people into it. I was just going to say, like, it's it's such a challenging profession. Um, yeah. Nursing specifically. And yeah. it's really hard to recruit and it's really hard to retain staff. And yeah. people don't tend to stay in it for very long periods of time, um, mm. in my experience. Mm. Some people do, but the majority don't. And yeah. having, you know as you said to go back full-time to university and do four-year degree is really difficult like a a more like what you did would be fantastic like would definitely get get more nurses and encourage more equine nurses if we had that kind of a system here it used to be a bit like that years ago back in my time but then it all changed um yeah I I can remember when I did my leave insert there was only at loan and then there was something similar that UCD were doing um they were the only two options because I initially had wanted to do it you know when I left school um but I didn't get the course in that loan so you know I just went off and and just you know really wanted to work with horses 
Um, so it was great to be able to, to then, you know, be able to do it. I think well, there's a lot of great people working in the industry, you know, who have lots of, because often, you know, you need people with really good horse experience who can handle horses, race horses, foals, things like that. And there's a lot of great people like that working in the industry that maybe would be interested in, you know, doing a professional qualification. So it works very well in the UK. So I, I don't see, I don't know where you'd start, but I don't see why it wouldn't work here. Yeah, I don't know where you'd start either. Well, any listeners yeah. out there listening to the podcast, um, here's a good project. Yeah. Maybe for if anybody knows start. where we'd start to go about <laughs> raising this issue with somebody. Yeah. I think you'd have to like invent a course and then go to the BCI and get approval or something probably probably yeah and then you'd have to get practices approved as training with the practice I was in was approved yeah. as a training training practice so, and was it yeah, purely it was, equine D or did uh, you do smallies as well like did you was it complete or can you just do equine vet nursing or is it is it a whole am I getting am it's I, a whole, yeah it's a whole qualification yeah. so the first two years were mixed and um, the first yeah, year okay. were mixed and the practice that I worked in was mixed so I did you know, I did, I had the anaesthetic training, but then in the final year, you specialize. So I probably did miss out on some of the more advanced small animal modules because I would have taken the equine modules. Um, okay. I'm actually just looking up Donington Grove here on <laughs> Google because oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember it. A lot of um, a lot of my colleagues from... Or, yeah, it's a lovely place. Yeah, just a lovely team. Um, really, really enjoyed it there now. Some really, really great people um yeah I think it, it always had good reviews from students coming yeah. back anyway that they loved it there so and they yeah. had a small did they have a small animal yeah a small animal yeah. yeah small animal hospital yeah. on site as well yeah yeah we did all our own out of hours and stuff so it was busy yeah it was often there in the middle of the night and colleague surgery trying to triage the a dog that had eaten chocolate or something <laughs> over the phone you know it was multitasking multitasking yeah <laughs> oh yeah how do you find the opportunities for, I know Feather is big, big for student and veterinary students. How do you, like, did you have many now over this polling season come, come from different? Yeah, loads um, from all over. Um, yeah, a lot, you know, we get lots from UCD, obviously, um, vet students from UCD. And then we've got a lot of nursing students from, yeah, all the colleges and I actually had the pleasure of working with two new grads at Troy Town as well, who were, amazing and I think the courses here the nursing courses anyway they get a really they're really really good I had no experience of them haven't been in England you know their first as their first job they really had a great knowledge and you know experience and um, I think that the courses here are excellent you know they and even you know they had quite a lot of farm uh, which I did no farm there was no kind of farm nursing or we didn't learn anything about farm animals or anything like that in, in my course in England so yeah it was it was interesting just to compare the courses with the girls and see mm -hmm. you know how different they were. So what is your tips then soon as we're talking about it for students or new grad uh, vet nurses have you got any top tips that you would? Yeah I guess from my experience I think yeah get into the busy you know the busy hospitals the busy referral practices if it's small animal or or equine you know and really kind of get yourself exposed to as much as possible and see as much as possible it's great about reading about things or having someone tell you about you know a castration evisceration or something but until you're there and you see it and 
difficult to to kind of tell someone what that what that's like. So that's what I found ben- beneficial for me that I you know spent a lot of time in a busy practice and got to see lots. Um, one you know one thing that kind of shocked me was having worked in one practice, moving back to Ireland. I thought all practices were the same naively, and you know they're not. Like from working in three different practices, they're all so different. If if students can see lots of different practices, lots of different ways, you like some and you won't like some, and some will suit you and some won't. So I think it's really important to get a feel of different places. Be prepared to work hard. You know, it's not it's not an easy career, but it is very rewarding. And if you enjoy it, you know that's that's the main thing, really. Um, but it's not you know it's not a nine to five, and it is nights and it is uh, weekends and things like that. But um, if you can kind of find what area you like to work in, if it's surgery or, or whatever, you know, it's, it can be, it can be really, really rewarding as well. So, I think that's really yeah. good advice saying to try around, you know, to go to different practices. Cause I would notice in the last couple of years working in different practices that some nurses tend to kind of go to one practice, they, they go to a practice and they seem to do all their placement there. Yeah. As you said, they don't get to experience then, other practices and they might feel comfortable there because they start to know the people and then they move somewhere else and it's totally different and then it's maybe you know daunting because you're like god what's going on here or you know maybe it's better but it's good to experience lots of different places and have a good idea of what you're facing into industry yeah yeah it gives the idea of kind of what you like and what you don't like or like so many practices are kind of structured differently um and some might just like a big practice i think a big busy practice actually suits me um and you know that might not be for other people they might prefer a smaller team um you know it just it kind of depends on your personality as well and and kind of what what you prefer we'll just move on to one of the trickier questions g um what are the main challenges um in your opinion in the veterinary industry at present yeah, well, I think the big one is recruitment and retention, like probably already mentioned there, you know, especially equine nurses, you know, seem to be a bit of a, a rare breed. I think, you know, having worked in England and Ireland, you know, the salary is definitely better in Ireland. In, yeah, in Ireland. Um, I mean, there's big moves this week in England with that, the corporate yeah, I saw having that. gone, yeah, to 30 grand minimum. So that, Medivet, I mean, with Medivet, that's it, yeah. Um, so that's fantastic you know and I feel like it is a career that's growing you know and I feel like it's been like that since I've started Um, you know it's growing all the time and I think you know the other big challenges are work-life balance Um, and I feel that has improved throughout the years as well you know I think they are understanding more you know that people can't you know people need a good work-life balance and you know, my rota now is a one in seven, which is fantastic. Um, we have seven nurses at Feathered. So, you know, that is kind of almost where it needs to be to to be sustainable. And it feels like it is, you know, it feels like it is. And you can have your weekends off then. You know, nobody wants to work weekends. Nobody wants to work nights. But you kind of accept it is part of the, you know, part of the career. So I you think do have super. Yeah. on call then or how does your on call rota work or what way does that go? yeah so we're on call so we actually have the phone so we're answering the phones to the emergencies we have a kind of a mobile that we take home with us um so yeah you're on call from kind of 7 p.m to 7 a.m um and then the weekends friday night to 
to Monday morning. So um, yeah, it can be busy, you know, because you could be in surgery and, and answering the phones as well. Um, so you're trying to juggle a few things. But um, yeah, you know, it, it, it they feel they feel very far apart when you do one and it's really busy. Um, they the next one feels like it's far away. You know, you've almost forgotten about the last one before the next one comes around. Yeah, that's so, that's the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and that that gives you the time then to to chill out and forget about it for a to while. To exercise and then... the on call from your system. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, let go of the trauma. <laughs> that works. That work, works quite well now. Um, so and do, do you it's... have to do the the colic surgeries as well, or is it just the yeah. Like step? Yeah. No, yeah. So I'm on kind of the yeah the on call with all the other nurses. So the other nurses kind of rotate between surgery and lameness and and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I I just stay in medicine during the week. But yeah, at the out of hours I would have to do surgeries. Which colic surgeries I don't mind, but arthroscopies now. Oh, so boring stuff of your whole entire so life. boring yeah so boring I I was saying to you Dee before we started that I did a good bit of experience as a student 12 years ago now nearly or 11 yeah. 12 years ago in feathered and yeah arthroscopy but the surgeons were always look at that cartilage I'm gonna get it yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they just no. they, they do they do they do still love doing them and yeah and like yeah. lameness lameness as well I'd always get the leg wrong and oh, no. see. So yeah. I, I ended up being a cow vet. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. Brilliant. Cows are great. They're way better than horses. Oh, I don't I know. Quite like cows, I have to admit. <laughs> cows don't die as easily. I would say that definitely anyway. No. Yeah, they definitely don't die as easily. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. horses are not, not well designed. Cows are much better designed. Slightly, yeah. <laughs> I think I think as well, do you like your story will definitely the word inspire people to look maybe outside the box a little bit as well and maybe yeah. look towards going abroad or you know having other experiences like you have and I think it's a really yeah. good uh you're a really amazing role bo- role model for equine nurses in Ireland and we're very lucky to have you back <laughs> in the country yeah yeah um, no I love I love being home I mean it's different the the you know the the industries are quite different country to country but um definitely love being at home you know it is it is great and it's great to be able to get a position doing foals which is what I love doing um you know so close to home in the same county that I'm from which is even yeah That's even brilliant. better oh, you're so, a native yeah. temporary person yeah I am yeah north north to south yeah so it's not too far oh, I knew oh. that did I know that no I told you I was north tip yeah Oh, you yeah. did, you did. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. when we were yeah. talking about going, yeah. Hazel loves it when another cork person comes on the mm. podcast. Oh, so I'm, feeling, I'm feeling slightly outnumbered, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I don't think we've yeah. ever had a Tipperary friend. Oh, no, that's a lie. I was another vet no. nurse. And Eamon O'Connell. He's a Limerick oh. fan. Is he? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry Eamon. <laughs> he won't like being called a Tipperary man. No. Maybe no. you can cut this out. <laughs> And um, my mom is my mom is from Tipperary actually, so ah, you know. very good. Well, I'll right. I'll, I'll, uh, ah, yeah, it's only over the road. Only over the road, so it's, yeah. um, see, yeah, but no, I look, you're not from Cork, Dee, but look, Tipperary, <laughs> Sorry. Tipperary <laughs> <good opinion. laughs> next, next best thing. <laughs> it's amazing the amount of Cork people we do have on this podcast. I wonder is it kind of rigged? I'm not sure. <laughs> 
Really? They're Maybe. either from Cork or they're yeah. now living in Cork and Hazel is from oh. trying to convert them. She's like, sure, isn't Cork great now? I bet you're glad. <laughs> you'll never live anywhere else. See and reared on a Saturday night, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, so Dee, like, tell us about like what you do outside vet nursing. Are you still as involved with horses and things outside of it or have you got other hobbies? Tell us all. Yeah, not as much horses anymore, actually. Yeah, I don't really ride um, anymore. Uh, just, uh, you know, not kind of specifically, just, just the way it went, kind of. I just didn't have a horse anymore. Um, but I enjoy hiking and I'm surrounded by mountains here in South Tip, which is great. And I actually took up golf a couple of years ago, which I'm not very good at. Ooh. Yeah, but... I enjoy it. I took it up during the first lock or well, whenever they opened after the first lockdown, we have a course quite close to my parents' place and they play. So I just went out messing with them one day, me and my cousin. And we actually really enjoyed it. So it's quite a nice sport. It's frustrating, but it's uh it's a really nice outlet and it's outdoors and it's you know it's it's quite enjoyable. I've played in a few competitions, I have a very high handicap. Oh, wow. Well done, you're taking competitions and everything. Little ones now, nothing major, nothing major. And you have all the gear, like all... and it's yeah, it's nice. I enjoy it. Oh, I would yeah, love all the clothes. I have a lot of hand me downs. Like my aunt gave me her club. It's so expensive, you know the yeah. club. The stuff is so expensive. I, but I got a few hand me downs. I tried when I was about seventeen. My dad's an avid golfer, but I just wasn't. Yeah. I don't think I was in the right frame of mind because I wasn't instantly good at it. So I was like, no, this is not for me. And then yeah. actually. A couple of years ago there, before the pandemic hit, my dad is so funny. So they were doing like, because Thurlis would be my local club. And they were doing, um, yeah. they had a special offer on, so you pay so much. And they were trying to encourage more lady golfers, as it were. And you go in, yeah. and take you out and they give you a few lessons on your short game or whatever. Um, and then you yeah. have a discount on your membership. So I'd signed up for this anyway. And because my dad was like, Jesus, my his friend Ned, his golfing buddy's daughter, took up golfing a few years before that. And apparently she was unbelievable. So I'd never hear in the end of this. Dad's like, yeah. Ned's daughter's a sun golfer. Jesus, she's a right golfer now. And I was like, fuck's sake, you better give this a go. But anyway, I never got there because then the pandemic came. So that's a good oh, thing. I think yeah. they do it every, I probably missed oh. it this year. It's usually around every April. So the next time I'll have to just go. Yeah, they did a similar thing in, in the golf club at home in Ross Gray, actually. That's how I got into it. But my yeah. dad is, my dad is the president of the golf club. Oh, there you go. Oh. But he's very good. And then I, and so I think people expect me to be good. And my cousin is brilliant. She played hockey actually growing up, but I didn't play camogie or hockey or anything really I just rode horses so that doesn't really help with my golf game but um <laughs> it's yeah so I'm not very good so it's a little bit embarrassing for dad but um I think he still loves you know anyway. what I'm thinking Michelle <laughs> yeah I'm hearing horse riding golf when you put the two of those together you nearly have a polo player <laughs> oh genie um, I don't know about that now you can join you can join my polo well our oh, polo God. club in uh, Watergrass Hill not too far away oh, that sounds a bit crack. dangerous now. it is very dangerous <laughs> I've no need for speed anymore in life <laughs> honestly I've always been a very like um nervous not like nervous rider and actually polo just knocks that out of you like you have really? no choice only oh to like just drive on and you know <laughs> nearly fall off and do or yeah. else fall off but yeah Generally, in, in tournaments, there's usually a dislocated shoulder somewhere oh. on the pitch. Oh, no. 
yeah not myself no. oh my god but no I'm in the beginners and I'll always be a beginner but yeah yeah I do think um I do think you sound like you're <laughs> a polo player in the making there D oh. well, recruitment god, all I recruitment, don't know about that thing. I know and networking <laughs> <laughs> I um, think tell us what you do then so apart from golf that's obviously what you do in your spare time is that what you mm. also use to like mind your own mental health and well-being um as you said like yeah balance can be quite challenging so how do you manage yeah. your well-being yeah well that's kind of you know that was kind of my incentive to move home really you know I, I miss my family a lot I've got two gorgeous nieces um, so what's really, you know, helped me is, at, you know, at the end of, it, of the day, even if I when I finish work, I can drive to Dublin to see my sister, I can drive to North Tip to see my family. And, you know, I that is really what what gives me joy, you know, having been away for so many years um, and the same at the weekends, you know, I'm able to I know it's only a flight away, but, you know, if they're if you can go to the beach, you, you know, I can just hop in my car and get to them um, at any time and you know I love my career and I, I'm really passionate about it but you know my family are really the most important thing in my life and you know that kind of took me a while to kind of get not get that but to understand that uh, the job you know a job isn't everything what's important is the kind of things around you and the life you make around it so that is that for me was the, the big part of moving home and what really kind of helped I suppose improve improve my life you know I loved my life in the UK and I had an amazing group of friends but you know I really really missed home and really missed my family so mm. um there that's one thing that that really you know if I've had a bad day I can just you know go home my mum will have a glass of wine ready for me and <laughs> you know it's all good like that's lovely I understand what you mean about um because I lived I went to Nottingham for six years and yeah like I I missed I just hated not being able to just sit in the car and just come home like yeah there was only it was a flight but if something happened or if you're yeah. having a bad day or yeah it, it really yeah. it meant the world to me like I was down in Kerry I was about you know good two hours nearly from home an hour and a half and I just felt so much nearer family when I was just a drive away. So I definitely understand. Yeah, it's nice to be nice to be near yeah. home. That's good. Hazel, are you kneeling on the floor or what's your oh. situation there? Um, no, I have a very <laughs> organized desk. <laughs> like you're sitting up looking like you're in a stretch. Why don't you just take the laptop onto the bed and sit down? Okay. I'm <laughs> better, better kneeling the whole way through this. Okay, Michelle. All is good. She looked like she was under oh, savage pressure. I was like, is she okay? My knees weren't my knees aren't what they used to be. <laughs> um, anyway. And D, what if has there been any um really funny kind of veterinary moments in your life so far? Is there anything that's that's usually we get our guests to yeah, end on a, a, on a funny note uh, there's one story I remember in the UK uh, I was going to I arrived at a vetting um, on a, a yard a very well-known event riders yard and uh, I was meeting the vet one of the partners of the practice there so I arrived on time he was already there the vet was already there 
and uh, I find them, I find, I walk up to the table where they're, they're doing the vetting and um, I just say hello to everyone kind of and then I let the, the vet communicate with the event rider and so the event rider is telling the vet about the horse and the horse had come from Ireland and um, as they proceeded to tell the vet about the horse, the young horse, they kind of insulted the whole nation of Ireland and how we look after horses in doing in explaining where the horse had come from and how the horse was and the vet who I got on quite well with was kind of looking at me and I was like don't I just don't need to open my mouth they don't need to know I'm Irish just don't say anything just please don't say anything because I'm going to get really embarrassed when they realize that they I'm Irish and they've just insulted every Irish person who ever owned a horse uh so anyway he smiles at me and he goes uh, I just yeah that's fine he said I'd just like to introduce you to our Irish nurse here D and the event rider I went bright red the event rider had to dig themselves out of this hole and I was just like I was kind of starstruck anyway because it was quite a well-known event rider that I knew and I was kind of like please don't worry it doesn't matter that I'm Irish it doesn't matter but I'd I could the opposite I'd be like I, know. I just wanted the ground to swallow me up and afterwards oh. I was like why you should have said nothing I could have just kept my mouth closed for the whole the whole thing you'd have been like mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah put on my best English accent yeah <laughs> so, I, wow. been, I think it would have been was... better if nobody said anything but then if your boss just started talking to you and then you started communicating back in your Irish accent and then everybody just left it unsaid and then your man would just be like, oh, yeah. oh, oh no. Yeah, it might have been a bit more awkward, but I was just like, oh no, I just didn't just didn't want to be in that situation at that moment. Well, you handle it very well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to upset anyone and I certainly didn't want to, uh, you know, I just I kind of I, wanted to do and get out of there. I do really badly in situations like that because I suffer with my nerves. And then as a result of that, I make jokes sometimes oh, God. Be inappropriate so I'd be like God it's like I wouldn't have been able to help myself I'd be like oh you wouldn't want to uh, offend easily around here would you <laughs> yeah because I'd be like oh how do I break the tension yeah, or, else, Michelle, or else Michelle you would have been like excuse me I'll tell you one thing <laughs> Irish yeah. people are the best horse people in the world. Either are, yeah. But like yeah. when you're starstruck already, and then like it's always, you know, when you it just shows you when you meet your heroes, isn't it? You yeah, know? you can be disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I went probably went away with a different opinion of them than mm. I had to begin with. <laughs> good well very well handled and very well handled in your podcast so thank you very much Steve for coming on the Bet Space Ireland podcast no problem thank you for having me it's been great fun um and I actually nearly want to go back now and be an equine vet or yeah I'm just like oh maybe I'm just out and all this good come on like, one, one thing to feathers tell Jeremy yeah yeah exactly but no honestly Dee thank you so much and you're such I mean I really mean that when I said it that you're an inspiration to um the vet nurses of Ireland and um yeah it's just been it's been great having you on the month that it is and everything so thanks a million it's it's 
it's nice to be able to to talk about what you do every day. Well, you're great and we love listening to you. So thanks, Dee. Check us out on social media and tag us whilst you're listening to the podcasts. We'd love to see it.